If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swintoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. All right, I'm here with the Trout Bitten crew, and our topic is what to trust. One of the most captivating aspects of fly fishing is the seemingly endless variety of approaches, tactics, and strategies that are available with a fly rod in our hands. There are so many things to learn uh, that put trout in the net, and we quickly understand that there's a lifetime of education for us if we want it. So we combine our time on the water with conversations that we have with friends. We read books and articles. We watch videos. Maybe we listen to podcasts. And yes, we might even learn something from social media. Information these days is more available than ever before, and tactically, there are very few secrets left. And even information about where to fish, about access to hot spots, is pretty easy to locate if you keep your eyes and ears open. But with so many sources, with so many resources in easy reach, sorting through the flood of information can be overwhelming. So how do you weigh the value or the validity of these sources? Should you follow the advice of just one streamer fishing expert? if there is such a thing? Or should you cast a wide net and try to assimilate the tactics of a half dozen other good anglers before bringing it all together? These days, conflicting information or conflicting opinions uh, seem to be right next to each other. One fly shop report tells you that getting out early on cold days doesn't matter. And then you have the trout bitten guys telling you that fishing at dawn is one of the most predictable things in fishing, regardless of the temperature. We discussed that just a few podcasts ago. And that's just one example of this conflict, this confusion that seems to be present everywhere. You see it, you encounter it. So what should you trust? How do you sift through the overflowing bank of information and find what works? That's what we're here to talk about tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. But before we jump into the topic, let me quickly introduce the Trout Bitten crew. Guys, thanks for being here. Uh, Austin Dando, how you doing? Doing great, buddy. How are you? Good. Uh, here's Trevor Smith. What's new? Living large. Still large? <laughs> yeah, still large. How tall a man still. are you? 6'3". Yeah. Pretty big. 6'3". Yeah. Josh Darling's yeah. big too. He's a big cat. Josh, you still there? <laughs> Just late. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he says. Little laggy internet. All right then. So, uh, Matt Grobe. What are you getting me for Christmas? You think about that yet? You got it? That's my first time, Dom. I don't, I mean, Christmas, man. You're asking a lot. How about a uh, partridge in a bag, three grizzly hackles, five <laughs> tippet rings, two indicators, and a tangle in a pear tree? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you steal that from? I had to come up with something on that one, man. Everyone else had it easy. Hmm. 
All right, Bill Dell. <laughs> Have you recovered from your deadly virus? Mostly. I left the house. I left, I left the house <laughs> Listen for the first to time in four days. He sounds tired. How was it, bud? What happened? Uh, I, got hey, the flu. I know you came came uh, to to the region here. Came to Central PA for a nice fishing trip. And, yeah, uh, came. I was going to yeah. fish for four days in a row. Uh, I fished an hour. I started feeling like shit. And so I went back to camp and got the chills, got the body aches and woke up the next day after I slept an hour or two and just drove back home and I've been in bed for like three days. And so yesterday, late in the day, was like the first time I think I felt like I would say like half human. And then today I actually yeah. left the house and walked like half a mile just to try to loosen my back up. What does he have, Trevor? What's the matter with him? What's your diagnosis? Flu or COVID. That's the two things going around that'll put a man on a couch for a few days. So I took a COVID test and it was negative. So yeah, flu. We're going influenza. I've seen more of that in clinic the past two weeks. What than did, COVID? What do sure. they call the combo? Wasn't there a the name combo, for the, the super, the, the double flu or the super flu? That sounds like fun. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. yeah, I have. I've seen one of those so far. Super pandemic. Yeah. Hey, so a couple episodes ago, we did a full podcast with listener questions, and we got plenty of these still on the backlog. Austin, you want to read this, please? Yeah, man. So this question comes from John Matthews by way of email. He writes, Hi, Dom. I re-listened to one of your podcasts with my son while we headed to the river last week at the opening of the season. It was great watching him manage his slack with even more care when we got on the water. Hmm. Something that I've been thinking about a bit recently while fishing is how many odd tactics work and fishing properly doesn't. For example, when nymphing and you finish the drift, maybe you're just letting the flies hang there in the current while you reposition the fly for the next cast. Sometimes a small fish grabs the fly, but sometimes it's the fish of the day. Another odd one that's worked for me a few times is drifting nymphs under an indie from the head of a slower run, and fish come up and hit or look at the indie. Often I can induce a take by lifting the indie up and letting it settle back, and the fish sees the nymph drop and grabs it. I'd be curious to hear what stories and odd tactics the trout bitten crew has come across and found success with. I don't know about you, but often when the fish don't seem to be biting and you start getting tired, mm -hmm. catching a fish unexpectedly can bring back the confidence and focus, leading to a good run of fish. Regards, John Matthews. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty interesting point, and I, I kind of had similar experiences this past weekend. I was fishing a, a local stream here, and the morning was pretty slow, and I found myself relocating and kind of standing in one seam a little bit, and my, my fly was downstream and me dragging just in the head of like a hard, fast riffle um, where each fish I'd caught that morning, maybe one or two, but both came out of slow water, and Sure enough, while that thing was practically dancing on the surface, one of the nicest trout of the day came up and ate it. And uh, yeah, you got to <laughs> ask yourself why that worked, right? Mm -hmm. Bill, I think I've seen you do that about 10 times on streamers as you walk upstream. Yes, I perfected the uh, the troll. The troll. On streamers, yeah. it at least makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. And it's a long cast too. So like, yeah, that, yeah. You know, if you're sure, far enough it's away. Kind of, it's interesting. Or I should say it's a long drag. It's not really a cast at that point. One of my favorite questions to ask people is like, when they won't eat that dead drift, what do you do? And I think I've learned a few maybe variables, variations by those weird or dumb things. I'll try to jump the nymph. I'll just do little mini strips and things like that. But that's a that's a good topic for a whole podcast too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. you gotta Austin. Did you try like swinging your you know swinging and letting them uh, swing up and do stuff like that to try to emulate or? I did it on an indie rig a little bit mm -hmm. afterwards mm -hmm. um, and just letting them drift up and, and lift kind of. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't replicate it. Oftentimes when that happens, I can't replicate it. Yeah, uh, I, Sometimes it feels like it's just a one-off. Agreed. One in a million thing that happened that day. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't ignore it either. And I usually will try. It's just like when that big fish tries to come get your little fish that you have on. We've mm -hmm. all been through that, right? Mm -hmm. You're landing a six-inch brookie and here comes a 20-inch brown coming to eat it. Maybe he does eat it. Then you go, oh, I'm going to throw a streamer in there. You have to. You have to throw a streamer back in that water then <laughs> and see if you can get that big boy to come and chase your streamer because it's the only thing that makes any sense. Hardly ever works. Yeah. I've never made it work. Um, but no, if they show me something, uh, I'm going to try to duplicate it. Those are neat things. 
can do a I think to podcast the, yeah, on to the weird things that fish do out there. Sure. I think what we're, most of us are saying then is that we don't necessarily find repeated success on, on that off mm. technique, which I think is interesting. The end of his question sort of talks about how that unexpected fish can bring back confidence and focus, which I think he's then referring, I mean, John's referring to then applying that back to some of the more conventional tactics maybe, which yeah, yeah. we've talked before about the role of belief and in your drift and how much that plays a role in, in making and getting good drifts. I will say, I guess it doesn't work all the time, but I have a fallback tactic that I always use when situations are like that. And I usually tie on a godly, like super bright pattern that's oversized and attracting. And then I'll tractor trailer a natural unweighted nymph off of it. And at times I found out of like, for no reason, I'll get action as opposed to just fishing it, you know, on a tag with another natural fly. I find that's odd, right? Like there's no natural insect that looks like a, you know, like let's, let's say a big mop or maybe the, you know, you guys have the inchworm, but maybe not, I don't have it as much out here and I'll throw on something ugly like that or a woolly bugger with purple chenille, you know, mm-hmm. and, and black legs, and then I'll trail something natural and unweighted off it, and all of a sudden trigger, at least it feels like I've triggered some bites that way in the past. You're saying if you see them doing weird things, you try to feed that weird instinct. <laughs> weird things are, you know, odd tactics, like I said, if the bite's off, right? Like, mm-hmm. mine's more, if if the fishing's slow in general, like an odd mm-hmm. tactic I'll use is, is that. Gotcha. I'll throw on that ugly ugly woolly bugger or whatever yep. and uh maybe it'll trigger trigger a bite as opposed to like a motion or a strip jerk or mm-hmm. it's that's it, a different way to think about it there's flipping patterns around nice yeah i think there's definitely something to that i feel like you've even written about it dom where there's this like two-part approach of of that like the larger more gaudy fly that almost like turns their brain on and then the presentation of that small natural, which is like, yeah, I could do that. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it may be too much of a commitment to take that large, unnatural looking fly, but it does flip something in their brain that says eat. And then, and then you offer them that kind of softball that's natural and <laughs> it's safe. And they're just like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah. We call it a bait and switch. Bait and Hell, switch, we were talking yeah. about that before we hit the record button here. Yeah. I'll do the bait and switch where I'm fishing an egg a lot right now, and then we'll uh, trail a WD-40 or an RS-2, or lately for me, it's been a little zebra midge in behind it. We were just talking about distance. That could be anywhere from 6 to 8, 10, maybe 12, or even 14 inches back as you're trailing. But yeah, lately, well, yesterday they and the day before, they ate the midge more than they ate the egg um, by maybe 60, 40. But anyway, they're definitely attracted. Come on. I mean, they're attracted in by that egg. They're looking in that zone now because of the egg just like your purple hackle woolly bugger maybe i like it bait and switch so here's one thing i'll pick out of john's comment here yep he mentioned driving to the river for the opening of the season and so that makes me Mm. think he's fishing for stock trout and kind of the tactics that he's talking about i think do lend to catching stock trout like when he says it's hanging Mm. in the water column i think that that can be a deadly tactic to catch stock trout. Like they just, mm. you know, they're not used to the naturals. And so if it's just hanging there for them, they're going to be more apt to hit it or like something with motion and stuff. Mm. He may not be, but when That's I read that and I, I, and, I is. and I see his tactics there, that makes me think like, oh, he might've been fishing for stock trout. Yeah. They're chasing the indie too. Or he said that, you know, yeah. coming up, bumping the indie or looking at it. That's another thing that stock trout, especially fresh stock fish will do. That's a good point. That might very well be the case. Yeah, you can never take too much. We're about to talk about this. What can you trust? Can you trust the trout even? You know, and yeah, most times, yeah. But not necessarily if they're stock trout, can you trust them to tell you, well, what you should do about the wild fish you're going to fish the next day, so to speak. Now, you guys want to dig into this then? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. 
Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of New Trail Broken Heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. All right, so we're going to talk about what to trust. Now, I will say our goal here is not to tell anyone specifically what sources we think are great and which ones aren't. Because like everything else in fishing, there's a lot of nuance to this. We say that all the time. And what is best in your area might not work in ours and vice versa. And then too, many great sources of information are not mainstream. The best anglers I've known in my life are guys you've never heard of. Uh, They were friends and family members whom I was lucky enough to spend some time around. Fishermen who were generous with information and their ideas. And they were happy to help out another angler who really had no idea what he was doing. I think all of us are students, but all of us can be teachers too. And that's another really cool, one of the great things about fishing. You don't have to be an expert to come up with good ideas, or find what works best on any given day. But let me back up to that word expert then. And let's start right there. Let's maybe start right there. Guys, are there experts? Are there any experts in fly fishing? I think there's lots of experts. I mean, my perspective is there's a lot of people that are expert at things in different particular subsections of fly fishing, and some are more broad in maybe their knowledge. There's a lot of people out there that know a whole lot about certain things and in terms of information. And I think for me, this discussion, this whole discussion sort of also, Mm -hmm. in my mind, I differentiate a little bit between like experiential information and then like head knowledge. Um, And I think that those two are a little, are different obviously. And we can talk more about that later, but I think that there are experts in both of those categories. Some may find their way more into the public light more than others, but I think there's a lot of experts that have more of a voice now. Yeah, I think media has definitely allowed for people to take on an expert role, even if they might not have the experience of what we would call an expert actually on the river with a fly rod in hand. And so, you know, you do have to kind of be a little bit careful and, and say, is this somebody who I should learn from? Because just because in this industry they've developed a name for themselves definitely doesn't make them a trusted source of information in terms of tactics and what you're going to learn, how you're going to learn to fish. I think the cool thing about fly fishing in general is there's, you know, there's experts in a lot of different things and someone that could be an expert in whip finishing and, and bug, (laughs) bug life, right. Might not be the expert in casting and, and, and tactics on the stream. And, and that's pretty cool because I think you have to, you can have a well-rounded expert, Mm. you know, is good at, good at everything, but maybe not master certain things. And I think there's definitely in this industry, I think there's some masters or experts in particular methods or, or strategies or, or when it comes to fly tying. And like I said, the bugs and the hatches and, and to me that, that makes things cool. Cause it makes you seek out, uh, different experts in the field. I kind of have a problem with the word expert. Not a problem, but oh. I kind of, I shy away from it, right? And I got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem with you people. And now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> the airing oh, of grievances. The Christmas tree in the background. This is good. Uh-huh. Tis yeah. the season. No, I never liked that word expert. Uh, but as we're kind of already talking about it, like you guys are already sorting it out. And I kind of have, I don't have a problem with the idea that somebody can be an expert in the field of I don't know being a bug expert right like Greg Hoover Austin yep yeah. right over right. At Penn State I mean he's obviously an expert in that field where we're trout stream insects is that his expertise right and he has, yeah. has he's a got degree. a master's in uh, Eastern Green Drake yeah so I mean that's super cool how could you not 
admit that that guy is an expert in that part of fly fishing. Yeah, I have no trouble understanding the idea that somebody, and admitting that, that guy's an expert fly tire. Look at that. He, he's a master fly tire. Put that word on it. When it comes to the fishing, I have a hard time with that. I think there's just, for me, there's always been so many variables. And not just like what you're saying, Matt, like you could be really good in saltwater or have no experience in saltwater, so you're not a well, well-rounded expert. I'm just saying, even for, I don't know, the kind of fishing we do around here, it's really hard for me to call anybody that I know an expert. Um, there are just so many variables, and there are just too many times that, I, that we, we go out there and we strike out, we're confused, can't get it figured out. To me, an expert, and maybe this is my own failing in, in the way I want to handle the word, it's someone who would go out there and basically never get skunked. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Never get skunked. Always be able to figure it out. An expert, to me, there's there's like no failings. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a problem with the way you're defining it. Too extreme, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, too extreme. I mean, think I about it. Like I, what I mean, MLB players, right? They're the best ones every single year, batting mm-hmm. 300, right? Or 330 or 340, yeah. whatever. And they're an, I mean, they're, you have yep. to define it by what exists out there. And if there is nobody that can never be skunked, then you redefine mm. expert to the lower level, you know, to whatever that is that's <laughs> elite, you know, and maybe expert that's is fair. the wrong term, right? It's like a, but, it's like a curved, like grading scale. A curved grading scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. But I do agree with you that it requires better definition of the term. And I do mm, think that yeah. there are so many factors that it becomes really hard. You, I think there's a ton of industry-wide application of that term that mm. probably has diluted its meaning. It's interesting, Dom, how you brought that up. Because when I think expert, I think of a black diamond ski run, right? Because okay. only experts could ski it. Mm. But like a lot of people ski it, you know what I mean? Because they're able to ski so called an expert run so like as in the outdoor industry i just when i hear expert i'm like yeah yeah you know like a lot of people could ski a black diamond run and there's probably a lot of experts a, a fishermen out there so it's the word i guess that's i'm neat. i'm kind of hung up on <laughs> yeah that's neat i guess the only reason too i even back up to talk about what an expert is or if there are any <laughs> and if we should trust them is uh because for me, anyway, that's uh, I know from the beginning and still, I'm always looking for those people who really know what the hell they're talking about because they have the experience. And I, I guess I almost consider them an expert, right? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I'm looking for those people that I guess most people would say, that's an expert. There's that guy, you know, all the experience that he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I agree with you, Dom. I was kind of, I was, I was thinking the same thing and you actually said it. Mm. Um, you can say, okay, well, he's an expert in a very small niche, like you could say like, Hey, he's an expert at going to the streams in central PA fishing those and catching them. But if you took that person and you dropped them in the middle of Canada Mm -hmm. in like April, probably be able to catch a fish, but he wouldn't be an expert and he'd be out of his elements. And so like some of the stuff translates, but some of it is like just learning your environment and your surroundings. No, no, nice. Like Matt said too, I guess the people we'd be seeking out sometimes would be a very well-rounded expert. Yeah. That's a blessing, right? When yeah, you get yeah. that, when you're lucky enough to get that. Mm-hmm. That's when we'll talk about like different, as we go through this, different stages of your fly fishing career. But if I'm at the beginning and I'm a true beginner, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for that well-rounded expert to kind mm-hmm. of immer- immerse my brain in all things fly fishing as opposed to like one specific area. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Austin. Yeah, I, I agree. If we look for the person who never strikes out, we're never going to find them. So we can't, we can't be looking for the person who's perfect. And uh, even if we get close to perfect, you know, I'd take that any day to learn from someone like that. Nice. Where do you guys think, if there is such a thing as an expert fly fisherman, where do you think he's found? Do you think that he is somebody we already know? Or do you think he's somebody that would never make a YouTube video? Or, you know, does he live in some remote hole? in Colorado, you know. Oh, you mean the perfect is, expert. <laughs> do you think the industry <laughs> is drawing forth the experts no. into the public forum? Mm. 
No, or do you he's think, a dirty fisherman you've never he's heard a dirty of. fisherman that's right <laughs> yeah yeah that guy that catches everything like you're talking about mm-hmm. that's what i'm thinking of as that perfect yeah. expert almost because he's flawless. too busy catching fish that's he doesn't right. have time to make yeah. videos or <laughs> that's right youtube videos he's, he's, the only he's got smarter than all of us he gets deadly viruses and spends three days on his couch <laughs> yeah <laughs> no he doesn't he'd have fished right through it <laughs> the, ex- the expert the expert wouldn't have posted any pictures online to have any evidence as where he was fishing so he could continue to fish that spot yeah that yeah. too <laughs> yep. where i thought you were gone trevor a little bit is like uh i consider all you guys experts i guess if we're backing up that term to not be perfect you guys are good i mean i learn from you guys and i know that i through my life i've always wanted to have those fishermen that i was uh looking toward to learn the next thing and started with my uncle i've mentioned him many many times i learned from my dad too sure and then there were guys, like a guy we called Boob. His name was Bob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but everybody called him Boob. And then there was my buddy Rich. And, and, uh, and then Pat Burke, I learned a lot from Pat. And then, you know, we, you guys know basically everybody from, in my life from that point forward. And, hmm. well, half of you are here. And so I've been always learning from those next friends. Honestly, I learned from a lot of the clients that I take out. They have neat ideas. That's cool. And sometimes it's just the way they have the nippers on their vest. I'm like, huh. That's cool. And are they an expert? Maybe, but maybe not. Plenty of times, no. But boy, they're really good. At, they, they, thought, they thought of that. That made, you know, that makes sense. That makes more sense. <laughs> so who else have you guys learned from? I mean, for me, I think it's, it's been different stages of my life. I've mm-hmm. learned different things from different people. And, you know, as a beginner, my dad, I learned the most from, from my dad, right? All the, mm-hmm. all the basic skills about the sport with knots and simplistic patterns and yep. just going out there, right? Uh, spent a ton of time with family, dad, brothers, you know, and then as time progressed, right? And I think, you know, you grow, right? And maybe you need more and you mm. search out like-minded friends, which brought me to the trout bitten crew with, yeah. you said Pat Burke, mm-hmm. I would say that Dom and you and, and Sloop and Steve mm-hmm. and 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 yeah. at that point you challenge we challenged each other and we found a group of friends that um, were like minded but had mm-hmm. this drive that maybe you don't find that with you know any other source of information so I think it's mm-hmm. important when you want to take it to a next level and you want to learn surround yourself with people that have that drive and you might learn more than just casually doing it I guess. Absolutely. If that makes sense. No doubt. I do think, I mean, just in sheer volume of time on the water, my friends have been the biggest influence and in sort of tactical discussions and kind of comparisons. And I think I've, my family influences similar to yourself in my uncle. I learned a lot from him, but what I learned from him was more of a, a drive and a, and maybe a love Mm -hmm. for the sport. And I don't remember any specific tactics, unfortunately, hmm. that he taught me. And I know he worked with me a lot. So I kind of feel sad that I don't, I wish I had like one piece of him that I could just like be like, Oh yeah, that's what he told me. Yeah. Just do that yeah. thing. But every single time I have like a, a wonderful experience on the water, I reflect a little bit on him just because of feeling mm-hmm. like, okay, that taught me an intangible thing. And it was sort of contagious this is nothing new to what you guys were saying but it was the same thing for me growing up like fishing with my dad he was a good fisherman but i think that like the biggest things that i learned from him was that like pretty deep desire to keep learning that he had and so he would spend way more time on the water than i was ever wanting to spend and i would just watch i'd sit on the bank like freezing my butt off watching as he was just like well they're not biting there's got to be a reason why they're not biting for hours you know in in cold weather and stuff and then then i got you know to college and and austin and i started fishing together and we didn't catch hardly anything in in the beginning Hmm. and then austin caught on to the mono rig and started learning a lot fishing with some some of you guys and then he started passing some of that to me and all of a sudden like i mean Things ramped up by like a thousand percent as I started learning, you know, back in, in, in that day. That's cool. And so, yeah. yeah you have those breaks moving up the chain until you got to fish with me. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Like the, the boss man. Then he slowed down. Yep. You got into the yeah, sanctum. Back. 
You <laughs> fell back, had to hold your hand. I finally felt like a good fisherman when I fished. It really with happened. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I fall back to John Burgos, you know. He yeah. helped Lace. Sloop and, John B. Yeah. Hey, now, Sloop, you made, he made it, it into another one. <laughs> um, he really uh, was a big influence on me with just connecting some dots going from, uh, you know, warm water fishing with occasional stock trout to, you know, you know pure 100% fishing for wild trout and having a lot of uh, lingering questions on, on how to make that change or even how to approach mm. wild trout. Yeah. And uh, he uh, was a, a really large influence on me. And it wasn't necessarily, I just, I don't know. I think there's an instinct that we have to, when we, when we listen to someone, we talk to them, we can kind of, you know, for more or less better return, but judge how honest we feel like they're being with us. And then you take that information with a grain of salt and you go test it. And that information always seemed like it tested true. And I met with John and we fished together and yeah, he, he was a big influence. Right on. So it's hard to beat that firsthand information. And you're right there with your buddy. He's like, nah, that's not the way to cast. Do it this way, you know? Or you're downstream and you catch nothing and your buddy's up there and he caught 10 already. And you're like, all right, what are you doing? And you learn firsthand, whether it's a family yeah. member, friend. That's great stuff. But I'm sure for all of us, because we've told stories and I understand all of your histories, that resource dries up a bit. Or you can't go out with your buddy all the time. And mm -hmm. for me, it was, you got to learn other ways. You're going to figure it out yourself on the water, okay. But boy, I got a lot of ideas back in the 90s, I guess, when I was learning from authors. And I've brought up Joe Humphreys so much. I learned a lot through Humphreys. Uh, he also had DVDs, you know, back, or back then it was VHS tapes and stuff. So I learned a lot through those resources. And obviously, that's what people are doing today. It's still authors. It's still books and articles. But boy, it's videos. And it's even just little shorts and stuff like that on, on Instagram. And the different videos that people will put out and yeah, things like this podcast. Sure. And so we're all gobbling up that, that kind of information. I mean, have you guys been like that from the beginning? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think I'll tag along with that, Dom, not just the tactic piece. I, I think I was less mm -hmm. tactically involved in the author piece than you, but where mm -hmm. I used authors was destination fishing. Nice. And there's this plentiful resources when I would travel to Colorado or you'd travel to New Mexico, whatever, it, wherever it is, there's resources out there and authors would write about those locations. And I would yeah. kind of read about those and in, in preparation, whether it's, you know, fly patterns for that particular region or nice. access points. And, and I would start there uh, with the author stuff more than anything. Right on. And that's how we learn fly tying too. Like you said, to be well-rounded, you want to know all that stuff. So you're going to have to you find those resources. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. AvidMax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help find the right tools for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Bitten Podcast receive a discount at AvidMax.com. Enter the code TROUT10, that's the number 10, at checkout to save 10% on your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, elevate your game with AvidMax. For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. This November, Smith Creek is releasing two new products just in time for the holidays. Check their website to see the new tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from high-quality billet aluminum and anodized in one of two eye-catching colors. They hold up to five tippet spools with a patented spring-loaded plunger design that is easy to load and keeps your spools right where you need them. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. Now, Dom, back to you kind of digging into Humphreys like back in the day. How did you know he was the guy to, to watch? Like, was it pretty apparent that his information was going to be trustworthy? Or like, mm. you know, what, what to you said this is worth listening to? Uh, that's a good question. I will say back then it was easier because there weren't many resources. There weren't many guys like Humphreys that I had access to. Yeah, there were, there were plenty. I had Joe Brooks uh, and, and Dave Hughes books. Nice. And, uh, but it, it definitely helped that Humphreys was fishing, writing about and fishing the same waters that I, that I was yeah. trying to, yeah. you know? 
I was in Western PA, but at the time I was coming up to Central PA uh, once in a while. And boy, by the time when I got here in '93, yeah, the stuff he was writing about was oh my, I fished there yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so come on, I mean, and but the other thing is too, I just connected with it, and that's really the answer right there. You could have a wealth of authors and videos and everything you can imagine, but there's going to be something you connect with, and I think there's a reason you connect with it. I guess you can get fooled by marketing and other kind of hype and stuff like that. But I think most of that is transparent. And if you're a reasonably intelligent person <laughs> who can see through a lot of that stuff, I think you, if you feel a connection with a certain author, there's probably good reason for that. That's how it was for me. It just seemed natural, Trevor. Yeah. Well, what about, Don, yeah. what about connection? Like, could you take it even further and say you've you saw firsthand the benefits of the knowledge that you were reading on the stream, right? Like, because we're going to talk about, you know, how do you tell if something's bad information? Mm -hmm. That information you were getting from him probably was legit because you were becoming a better angler, right? Right. If you read it, you try it, and it works. You're going to have respect for that person. If you see it on the video, you try it, and it works. You're going to have respect for that content creator. I mean, at the point of intake of, for me of most of my, a lot of my intake of fly fishing information, I was kind of marooned out in the Midwest in my time in the Air Force and not near any good trout water and not really with the time to get to any. And and so I spent a lot of my years in the Air Force um, as a doc, just consuming information in preparation of, you know, I was always coming back East and fly fishing had been a part of my life prior to moving out there and it, I wanted it to be a bigger part moving back and so it's kind of interesting like as I kind of filtered th- I, the process of learning to become a doctor is very much a process of learning to sift through information and mm. uh, critically think and and I, that truly is the defining characteristic I think of our training and because it doesn't take a whole lot of great skill to become a physician it just takes the ability to critically think through important information and kind of come to a good conclusion from it mm. and be able That's to tell what to put good it. and bad information is. And a lot of the ways in the medical world we tell are like, what are your conflicts of interest, right? Are there a lot of conflicts of interest in the piece, Is i.e., is there sponsorship so heavily overlaid with this particular author or writing that it it just seems like his information is really being skewed by who's paying for the article mm, right right um is there peer review as in is there are there other people agreeing with this person on these topics or is this information is this the only person saying this one thing um and then the, you know obviously the ability to demonstrate the results like matt was talking about but what i at that time is kind of interesting as i was like reading and consuming all of this different information when i found trout bitten and began to read it i mean it really was unique in the sense that it was almost unfettered from just like commercialization and yet and it was very content heavy and it was all reflections upon kind of analytical experimentation that you were doing which was really refreshing when you compared it to a lot of the other stuff written which was very much opinion based but there wasn't a lot of talking about what the process looked like what's the pro- what was their scientific process of deciding that this was the way to do it um and despite the fact that you're a english major you really have a, a scientific mind i think in how you approach fishing and and tactics and and that to me reading it as somebody who didn't know you at all was really kind of unique i think and and, and there are other people out there that do that i don't think you're the absolutely the only one in the world, but it it really did stand apart. Well, that's nice of you to say, but uh, seriously, what Matt just talked about, all those guys on the original trout pitting forum, that's what what we were doing, right? We were all thinking analytically like that and saying, no, 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 what if, just just talking about different parts of the strike zone and, you know, how it just, everything, all the very technical things. You were the first guys that I found that really wanted to talk like that. Hey, we all owe it to Sloop because Sloop's kept struggling to catch fish and it kept pushing us to figure out the tactics <laughs> that would get him more fish, right? That's right. Thank God for his inabilities. <laughs> we love you, Sloop. No, Trevor, I never thought about those parallels there with the medical field. Definitely there. seems hard to be a physician, though. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Only physicians 
can say that. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty easy. <laughs> There's an ability to hold knowledge there too. Not just yeah. sift through it, but hold knowledge yeah. and then put it all together. Sure. You yeah. got to obviously have a great memory. All of you guys a way to are good access thinkers. that memory. Yeah. Yeah, but I do. I mean, I appreciate the culture. It's a cultivation of culture, I think, that you guys probably must have created in the in legacy Troutbitten that has carried over yeah. and is very much a part of what Troutbitten stands for, but also the culture that surrounds it, right? Which is That's like there's no point in yeah, there's no point in just throwing out meaningless things if you haven't kind of done some I love I love telling Dom ever that like a t- particular tactic worked because you that you immediately get that the statement surrounded by questions like well did you yeah. try this like how many I times know. did you, how many times did it work have you ever done it before did you you know <laughs> and pretty soon you're kind of like oh gosh I, you know or, no you did it all wrong yeah <laughs> do it this way I get that one yeah no, right you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, so, but it, so I b- love it. Before all that, so before you find that, you know, whatever, Dom, that author you connect with or what, mm-hmm. or a forum that you bond, you bond with or buddies yep. you bond with, I think we all experienced bad stuff, right? Like bad yeah. information. And yeah. how did you guys battle through that and understand when, when, when stuff was bad or, or good? Well, and not, that's not a past tense thing either, I think we all recognize now there's more, well, there's more information than ever before. So there's more bad information than ever before. Just like there's also, I think, more great information than ever before. So it's ongoing. How do you guys sift through the bad? I guess one of my experiences when I first started out, I went to a a fly shop that was on a local river and I got this explanation about all these bugs. And at this point I had no idea what the heck you know, a gray fox was or yeah. whatever. And he was like, oh, they're on, you know, this is hatching now and this is hatching now. And I was like, okay. So with that information that was given to me, I go to the river and I see no bugs anywhere. And all I have is, you know, the five flies that are all dry flies that I just bought at a fly shop. And there's nothing hatching, nothing eating on the surface. And I'm just blind casting these flies for hours and with zero success. Yeah. And, you know, if he could have explained or maybe, I don't know, you know, is the onus on me to know that, hey, I should have been nymph fishing because the bugs aren't coming off. But Mm -hmm. like, as I started to gain my own knowledge, I was like, none of these bugs hatch on this river. Like this guy was at the fly shop just trying to sell me some, some Mm -hmm. flies. Yeah, I think that's common, and I hate to say that, but I see that a lot. I've seen sure. that from east to west. Sure, you know, you you have to understand that you know not everybody's an expert, right? And and people are filling jobs and roles, and maybe they're not the most versed in all things fly fishing. So I think it's important as an angler to understand where you are at in your. Mm. in your game like if you're a beginner fisherman i don't know if there's a ton of bad information out there because even bill you went to the stream i mean you're learning right i think if you have an open mind as a true novice you know it you're learning regardless of what kind of information you're getting you're learning (laughs) if it's bad information right (laughs) and and but if you're an intermediate you know, you start understanding then maybe what a little bit more bad information is, right? You kind of have yeah, an idea yeah. for it. And to me that like if you go to the fly shop and they put you on a river and say that green drakes are hatching and you got sulfurs, man, I'd be, that's bad information, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think there's a challenge in providing information because you're, the recipient of the information dictates a lot of whether it's good or bad information, right? I mean, sure. telling telling a new fly fisherman you know the best the best way to catch fish today is going to be with hmm. a drop shot rig you're going to put oh. your second fly 16 inches up your third fly is going to be 22 inches up and hmm. definitely nothing over size 16 like that that newbie has no He's ability lost. to go out and replicate that right so that's bad yep. information even though it's really good information so i think mm-hmm. this is part of the the trickiness Point. of, of Good being it is tricky. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. more than tricky. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I try, oh, when I'm trying to teach people something or what, even when I'm writing an article, I always try to make that point, well, just as often as I can. Like, hey, this article does not stand alone. I'm only writing this, this part of it because I've written all of this other stuff before. And even this podcast, we're doing this. 
We did a podcast on all wind last week, but we did in the first season all the elements, all the rough elements. So kind of the neat thing about doing this as a career, speaking of trout pitting, is, is exactly that. I get to kind of keep digging in deeper. And doing that with you guys is really cool. Yeah. It's a big onion. You're just peeling away the layers. That's nice. What percentage of people go into that fly shop to get the Hendrickson's? Does it ever register that it was bad information? <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah, that's right. right. I mean, so they can get, so the industry in general can get away with quite a bit of bad information, right? And it's floating right. around out there, but like there's a big percentage of anglers that never think enough about it to even give it traction that it was bad information, yeah. right? Or never have and, the experience to realize sure. that wasn't a Hendrickson, you know? Right, right. I think some of the anglers, too, that go into that fly shop and buy the Hendrickson and don't really ever come to realize why it didn't work, maybe because they're, and nothing against it, more of a casual uh, fisherman where they're going to go out once or twice a year, and that's the amount of lessons they get to learn that year, and all that they know is they just weren't biting tonight, and uh, maybe next time I fish, I'll I'll get lucky. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. It depends where that fire is inside (laughs) of you to, to ask questions and demand the answers. Well, yeah. like like Trevor said, I'll defend that too. Just saying, like, you're trying to give that person who, who walks in the door, you're trying to give them a start, especially if you can tell, oh, this is a beginner. You're trying to give them a start. You're not going to get real technical on that drop shot rig, like Trevor said. You just can try to help them out. Mm-hmm. Here's what, here's what might, might be hatching. You know, try to give them good information. Yeah. I know I used to draw pictures or, uh, you know, if someone did want to come in and I saw that they were buying for the first time, like a mono rig uh, setup where they get all the leader material and, yeah. you know, they may look a little confused or overwhelmed. They used to say, oh, you know, what, what are you doing here? And, and kind of let them go into it and say, well, yeah. what's your plan to do with this? What are you thinking with that? And then get into the conversation and give them the chance to ask information. And if they seem like they want it, um, you know, I'd offer it. I'd, I'd help them build out the leader. I'd help uh, with pictures of how to rig the flies when they get to the river. Uh yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's the way to do it, right? To do it right is to sort of elicit the goals of that angler and then sort of provide the information that is best suited to that situation. Because a lot of guys that are going to walk in there, frankly, don't want more complicated information. And even if it's not going to catch as many fish, they might want to float a dry fly over the those fish all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? right. It's just what they want to do. So That's nice. That's true. Hey, I mentioned this earlier. Can we trust the trout? Right. When we have a really good day. No. Can you say, oh, all right, good. Then that's, that must mean that I got everything. Well, not everything. We can learn things by catching trout though. Yeah. Don't trust anything. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust anything. <laughs> if you have repeated success, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're looking for. That one odd day, you have data, Yeah. but that's all it is. That's the goal, right? To catch catch the fish. I think yeah. it's kind of interesting. I was listening to a podcast recently that, w- that was hunting based and they were talking about how the, the rut, the rut in whitetail hunting is kind of like this focus of a lot of media, marketing, podcasts, videos, products. Yeah. And they were discussing the point, is the rut as big of a deal as we make of it? Or is this a sort of a figment of the industry's imagination that they've mm. created in order to market a product? And they were kind of taking different sides of the argument. But in relation to the fish, I think, and information that's out there, I think it's always, like, I think the fish has to be the center of it, right? Like, that's what we're doing. We are yep. fishing and we are trying to catch fish. And if you're not continually checking the information and tactics against the real thing, you're more and more prone to drifting off into, well, this is fun, or this is a style I like, mm-hmm. or this is, or which is fine. Get lucky. You, yeah, right. Or you get lucky, or um, this is a fly pattern that looks cool, and I love tying mm. with this material, but what did the fish eat it? I mean, that's the ultimate question, right? I think for all of us, we want to catch fish. Yeah. yeah. It's a very I direct think, result. It's right, a, a, right. A immediate feedback. It's immediate feedback. I, I, I think the, the other thing to consider is the classroom that you're, in can be nice. different, right? So the, the stock trout classroom versus the wild trout classroom, you know, you can trust those things a little bit differently. In my opinion, sure. you can absolutely gain, and we've said it here a bunch of times, the positive, positive experiences we had, you know, with stock trout, but then yep. just as anything with the continued drive that we're, we've been talking about and the eagerness to learn more, that wild trout setting, if you're fortunate enough to be in it, is the ultimate 
training ground. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, that's what you, uh, that's what I trust the most. Trust right? the most, Everything yeah. I learn, that's legit information is in that wild trout stream setting. Yeah, I, th- I think you can, this is sort of similar to what you're saying, Matt. I think you can learn a ton from trout if you get really, really specific. If you're wanting to learn about wild trout, you have to fish for wild trout. But it's not like if I have a good day fishing for wild brown trout and I was using a nymph with a, you know, one-eighth copper bead, then that means that all wild brown trout love one-eighth copper beads. <laughs> like you have to you have to then go down deeper right. like, okay, so I was on X stream. But then it's not all brown trout on this X stream love a, you know, one-eighth copper bead. Mm. You got to go even further. like. It was this temperature, it was this season, it was this condition. And so if you develop a sample size with all the conditions involved in that success, then you can actually learn something and you can say, wait, last time it was 70 degrees and sunny and the water was, you know, 67 degrees. This really worked well on this stream. Well, now I've learned something about those fish and I can actually go and replicate that. Whereas if you just, if you treat it like all wild trout are the same, then you're not sure. learning anything. And I don't think you can trust yeah. the fish at that point. I think that's really totally. good. I think yeah, you definitely keep in tabs and documentation, whether it's in the memory or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hard data, uh, Mr. Excel over there. You know, it's, I think we've talked about that a bunch here. That's, that's important. And that goes into, you know, what, what we all probably think is really, really, really important here is trusting yourself, right? That helps yeah. getting to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I published two articles on trout pitting in the last year that directly apply to this topic. I wanted to bring this up. The first one is titled, Find Your Rabbit Hole. And the most recent one is titled, Who Knows Better Than You? Let me quickly read this excerpt. I dug this out from the first article, um, Find Your Rabbit Hole. Here it goes. Experience is the one true teacher, but the ideas of fellow anglers help shine a light on the next path for us to follow. A good book leads you to the trailhead, fills you with a bunch of thoughts that don't quite make sense, and then tosses you down the rabbit hole, saying, have fun, you'll figure it out. And likewise, I remember far-off conversations with old fly fishermen who are now gone. They talked about rivers and methods that lost me along the way. But those ideas took seed in my memory. And all these years later, some of what they taught me has grown limbs. In large part, we choose our influences for fly fishing. We choose those influences. We select a path of interest and then find those tutors. And then we fish. That's the excerpt. And so I think the, mm-hmm. yeah, the overarching point here is to find your path, right? Find what you're interested in, in and go find those resources. And then, though, you have to learn to trust yourself. And that's what Matt was just saying. Like, you got to trust yourself. And then time on the water is the best way to do that. I mean, you can't jump in there, even in your first year of fishing, and really trust, learn to trust yourself, right? Yeah, 100%. And appreciate the, the, the challenge of it all because yeah. fly, fly fishing is like unlike anything else in this lifelong learning journey, right? I mean, appreciate the fact that you're going to learn when you get into fly fishing, you're going to learn every year that you're doing it and you're going to, yeah. you're never going to be an expert, right? I mean, yeah, we said there's experts, but re- realistically, you're always going to be learning new things. So, you know, don't get frustrated as much as, you know, yeah, you can get frustrated and there's a lot of information out there, but like you're in nature, you're in a healthy ecosystem, hopefully, you know, enjoy it first and foremost, right? Enjoy that part of it and then kind of embrace the challenge of everything else that, that comes with fly fishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know when I was young and starting out and even to today, one of the things that I think had the biggest impact again is was always trying to focus on fishing with people surrounding myself with fishing friends who are better than I was. And generally I would judge that by if they're catching more fish than me or they're catching fish when I didn't. That's because uh, it signified to me that they knew something that I didn't. But made that a goal as to say, all right, I know that I'm not an expert. And today I know I'm not an expert now. And I know there's still people out there who know a lot more than I do. And that's really exciting because you know, it reminds me that there's so much more that I have to learn. And it's fun to remind yourself of that too. So even when you get to a place where you feel pretty solidified to remind yourself saying, hey, you feel pretty good, but 
how about all those days you go out there and don't catch anything and still the guy upstream is wailing on them? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's well said. So. You ever get overwhelmed by all that still? I, I remember feeling like that when I was young, like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. Which direction should I go? What should I, I learn next? And what and who yeah. should I trust? Sometimes I still feel like that a lot of times. Sometimes I feel a little frustrated because it's almost like I don't know what to learn next. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I've hit a lot of the, um, maybe the low hanging fruit or the mm-hmm. more obvious things. And, you know, I've, I've, I've delved into different rabbit holes, but now I'm wondering, well, what's the next thing that I can do that's going to mm-hmm. change your, turn the page for me. And that can be a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I think the piece of fishing yourself on the water is just like, the, like we're all kind of saying the cornerstone of, of moving forward in this game of what do you trust and, and of making progress in your evolution as a, as a fisherman. And I think, I think there are good examples probably. And, and for the folks listening to the podcast, I think, you know, it's, this is kind of, it's winter. And I think around the country, there are a lot of folks that can't fish through the winter time like we can. Um, and this is a time of year to fill your head with a lot of knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. But it hits a point where you kind of hit over, you know, you hit a point of, of maximum saturation, I think, where nothing can, nothing can happen further until you get out on the water and begin there to implement go. what you've been reading. And, and so take the first opportunity or take advantage of the first opportunity you have to get out there once the weather improves or, or honestly pick some of the topics that don't require fishing to work on, work on your knots, you know, work on your changing nice. leaders, work on the things this time of year that are going to make you into more of an expert when you hit the water next year, um, that you maybe don't take the time to do during season. With my I guess, journey through fly fishing and trusting myself. I started out, I I read some books and I felt like I didn't know enough to be able to read the books to truly understand what the books were telling me. Sure. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time on the river, kind of trial and error. And then once I kind of got some basics down, then I went back to the books and then I could read the books and then the books could, you know, I, I was able to understand the tactics because mm-hmm. I had spent time on the water and then kind of with those together, it was able to say, okay, now I think I have a good understanding and I can move forward. And then, you know, I got lucky to meet some very good fishing friends that kind of helped me along the way. And I was like, you know, when you say like trusting yourself, sometimes at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, let me call my buddy and say, okay, I was in this situation. I did this, this, and this, uh, you know, I only caught like two fish and somebody, and then my buddy might say like, Hey, well, I've done the same thing. I've been on that river. Sometimes that happens and it, you know, maybe they have more experience than you and they can give you guidance. And so, you know, they say, Hey, you know, you did the right thing or Hey, next time try this, mm-hmm. you know, over time of doing that, I think that's where the your friends will also help you trust yourself that'll give you the yeah. truth and say like, Hey, you did what I would have, or no, I would have tried to do this. Yeah. Your friends are like an extension of your own data. The friends that you can trust. Yeah. Yep. That'll tell you the truth and not try to one up you. Right. They'll, yeah. They'll say, no, it was tough for me today too, or whatever, you know, around good the point. bend. No, I didn't catch any either. Yeah. That's a good thing, Bill. I know that I still, I'll be out there. And I still have lots of times where I'm just constantly questioning myself, saying, oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should extend the leader, the tippet, to change flies, all the stuff that we change. And I'll get into too much, uh, I'll get into too bad of a habit of just questioning everything and not trusting myself. Like, no, that's a good drift. Just move on. That's the easiest thing to change, right? We've talked about things you can change. Yeah. Move up, move, move upstream. Next it's hard fish. to do some days. It yeah. is. See, I, got, I have the opposite problem where I, I, sometimes it's like, maybe I should question, mm-hmm. should I be changing? Because mm-hmm, a lot maybe. of times I feel like sometimes I'm on the water. I have like a one track mind where I'm like, no, this is going to work. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, after four hours, maybe, you know, Hey, it's working or mm-hmm. it should have worked is turned me into like one fish. And it's like, well, okay, now you got to rethink because you just, you know, fish too much with too much confidence. That's the neat thing though. I've, I've seen you do that. I mean, I've seen you get to the end of a day or you'll tell me about it and you might not question yourself as much throughout it. It's, you're like an athlete who's kind of cocky and you're like, nope, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm the best. I'm the best yep. out there. I'm exaggerating it. Bill's not really like that. 
But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, then you get to the end of the day is I think when you start to go, wait a second. All right, I screwed that up. What should I have done? I think in the moment, it's hard to argue that trusting yourself is a good thing. You know, there there is a fine line. It's, yeah. it, quite often, I, I wish I was, I, I got to talk myself down. I'm like, no, 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 that's a good drift. You're doing what you want to do. So you can change something, but usually it's, you know, you don't have to change everything. I got to tell myself that sometimes. Do you guys ever, along those lines, go through periods where you're like, you know, you have all this information, you've learned all this stuff, you're continually pushing yourself and you just kind of, you know, break free of it and say, you know what, heck mm. with it. I'm fishing today. Just I'm, fish. not li- I'm not listening to the next, to this guy or that guy or right. uh, us. And I'm out here yep. and I don't care if I catch three fish, yep. but I'm going to fish a dry fly and I'm not working and it's not, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's sunny out. Yeah. And I don't care. Do you guys go through periods where you like to see, like make yourself experience that? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I think a lot. Yeah. I think nighttime has always been that time of day that for me, especially when I'm faced with long periods of lacks of success. And I think in the daytime too, if I'm struggling on the water, I tend to, (laughs) rather than running to other things, I sort of want those opportunities to figure it out myself. Yes. Um, and have the satisfaction of of kind of cracking through or breaking through on something, um, and sometimes I do, and some, and most of the time I don't. But I just think those are such valuable opportunities to sort of test yourself and and sort of put yourself up against the river. And nighttime forces like your it. hand in that. Like you can't you can't just like go and like find a bunch of good information on that. And so that's nice with the night fishing. Yeah, you're forced into figuring it out on yourself, and so it's a it's a. Mm-hmm. If you want more of that in your fishing world, then then fish at night. Yeah. We talked about bad information and whether it's night fishing or whatever, whatever yeah. kind of fishing. I mean, we all run across that bad information. And I swear, sometimes even that gets in my head. I'm like, maybe I should try that. <laughs> I got to go, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Don't do that. <laughs> I do. I, like Matt said, man, I'll try to just remove myself from being influenced by even you guys. You know, Bill fishes sure. fast. Okay, I don't have fish like Bill. It's all right. <laughs> you know, right. I, I can fish how I want to. Like you're saying too, Matt, sometimes you just, you don't care about any of it. You're just fishing. Well, and I think we're competitive, right? I mean, and I think that what's that's what makes mm-hmm. us all, you know, strive to become better. It's just like our nature is to, to want to become better. But I think it's important to acknowledge that you need to reset sometimes too and just... You know, my reset moments are, it's a brief window in the summer when I'm in my boat mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's like right, right after runoff and the weather's awesome and you're just chucking big stone flies. And it's just like, you know what? I don't want to overthink it. I'm just going to chuck this number six dry fly to the bank and I'm going to have a beer, mm-hmm. hopefully a broken heels and, uh, there you go. and enjoy it. Right. And just not overthink it. And, you know, you still will. You'll still talk about it on the way home and why the fish, you know, why you might only move 20 fish, but like mm-hmm. kind of leave, <laughs> leave, it, leave it at that, right? Boats are good for that. Beer is good for that too. Yep. Seriously. For me, I get in a boat, my, my, my goals and my desires kind of change. Aspirations. Like, yeah, yeah my, exactly. My aspirations change. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah, it's good. You're here. experiencing You're something different. Mm-hmm. Hey, anything else, guys? I'll say as far as like bad information, anyone that's going to tell you it's always going to work, this is the exact way to do it. It's, you know, anyone that wants to give you a formula or a recipe that is always going to work, whether it be flies, whether it be leader or rod or whatever, anyone that tells you it'll always work, that's bad information. Nice. It'll work. It'll work most times, or yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. or anyone that's proclaiming themselves an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think hump rights and trout tactics pretty close to the the beginning. That the two forbidden words in fly fishing are always and never. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's that way with a lot of things. But boy, it's like that in fishing. I would just say trust that um, the sport should be fun. Right at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you should be doing this and having fun in the process of it and enjoy the the outdoors and the experience and you know 
that's important, right? And everything else that you read and all of your buddies that you're fishing with, I mean, that's all part of it. And that all should be fun. And you'll grow, right? You'll, you'll know what to trust as you experience that. But it's important to, you know, immerse yourself in nature, the process, because that's going to allow you to enjoy it, to continue to want to mm-hmm. do it. And, yeah. and that's really important for anyone getting into it and wanting to learn more. Well said. Yeah. All right. There it is. What to trust. Ultimately, yes, it comes down to your own experiences, your own river time, what you see and what you learn from your collected moments on the water. Eventually, you learn to trust yourself. But in the beginning, and really throughout the entirety of our fishing lives, we're all looking for those resources to trust and to learn from. We seek out that next inspiration, the next tool or tactic to refine, something new to bring in to give it a workout, and then to trust it from our own experience. I think we all get into periods of time where all of this is overwhelming, with more questions than answers. And that's all right, because it's the last question that leads to the next discovery. And that process is a great part of the satisfaction that we get from our life on the water. So enjoy the ride. And yes, be discriminating about who you believe. Be cautious about what you trust. Find those sources that you connect with and go down your own rabbit hole because that's where the real fun begins. All right, we have just one more episode in Season 5 of the Trout Pitten Podcast. Episode 12 is coming up next week, so look for that one in your feed. Josh Darling, Matt Grobe, Trevor Smith, Bill Dell, and Austin Dando, thank you for your thoughts and conversation tonight. And thank you very much to our show sponsors. And thanks to everyone out there listening who supports those sponsors. All right, Matt, will you read us out? Let's do it. Remember... The Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 900 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags too. Be sure to find Trout Bitten YouTube channel currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tip Series in collaboration with Wilds Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. Oh, you mean the perfect expert. He kept moving up the chain until you got to fish with me. I think he's a dirty fisherman you've never heard of. I don't know. I don't know why I would care to particularly defend this. Ooh. Hey, now. That's the goal, right? To catch, catch the fish.